Hello and a warm welcome back to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailists everywhere. And coming up this time... One way of, of doing that is to, you know, just, just have a good sense of how to, to link Braille to, to people's values or to what's, what's important to them. Speech is a good option, but it's not the only one and it has its limitations. Braille, connecting the dots in 2021. Before that, though, some news from the Braillists Foundation. We are thrilled to announce that we're now accepting registrations for our third Braille for Beginners course, which will take place over eight Tuesdays at 6pm, starting on the 11th of January 2022. We put out a press release earlier in the month, and here's what it says. This innovative and accessible programme will equip blind and partially sighted adults with the skills to read and write Braille letters, numbers and punctuation, promoting unparalleled levels of independence and raising their confidence and self-esteem. The course, which will take place on Zoom with a telephone dial-in option for those with limited or no access to the internet, will be delivered by a highly qualified tutor with extensive experience of teaching Braille to adults who are losing their sight, and is offered at no charge. Required resources will be provided by post or electronic download, and peer support and one-to-one assistance from the tutor will be available by email between sessions. If you'd like more information about this opportunity or to access the registration form, you can find it on the Braillists website at braillists.org forward slash beginners. Now, perhaps you're thinking about learning Braille, but don't know whether it's worth it. Maybe you learnt Braille as a child, but haven't used it since. You might know Braille and want to use it in your daily life, but can't quite work out where it will fit. Or you could be bamboozled by Braille technology, gadgets or gizmos. A panel of passionate Braillists met in front of a live audience on Tuesday the 12th of October 2021 to celebrate National Braille Week. They explored how to overcome common obstacles faced by people who could benefit from reading by touch, sharing a diverse range of perspectives, from Braille learners to Braille experts, technology enthusiasts to people who just need to get on at home or in the workplace. The audience also had the opportunity to ask questions and contribute their own tips and suggestions. The session was hosted by Chairman of the Braillists, Dave Williams, who started by asking the three panellists to introduce themselves. Um, My name's um, Claire Amoroso. I'm a software translator for a software company and um, looking forward to sharing my experiences with um, learning Braille with you all this this evening. Good evening. I'm uh, Darren Paschal and uh, I'm Technology Manager at Thomas Pocklington Trust and a very keen Braillist. Hi guys, I'm Laurent and I am a psychologist and Braille is a very important part of my day-to-day work. So let's let's get straight into that. So starting with you, Claire, can you just describe for us the impact of Braille on your life? Well, I had an interesting um, Braille learning journey, really, uh, if I could just start with that. So I originally learnt um, grade one Braille in, in French, um, which is where I was born and, and lived um, up to up to going to university. And uh, I learned originally through a distance learning course 
through just a textbook and a cassette and I had to send the cassette back and forth with an instructor lady. Um, uh, I did that for a while and then I just put it aside and did other things and then when I went to university I, I found um, having to deal with um, screen um, glare issues and uh, things like that very difficult so I took up um, braille again um, even though obviously I was also using uh, screen readers by that point, um, just the, using Braille is a very different way of, of um, dealing with words and as, as somebody who uses language uh, languages every day, for me it's very important to have this direct access to language and punctuation, so I used um, uh, my, my braille learning skills, mostly at university to take notes because I thought that was quite useful with some of the contractions and some of my own contractions and shorthand, which is probably difficult to decipher. Um, but uh, so that's what I did at that time. And now I do use it for um, reading. Um, I'm part of the wonderful Braillists um, Braille reading group on a Thursday evening. And um, I also use it to take notes, write cards to other Braille reading friends and other kind of similar tasks. Darren, tell us a bit about your Braille journey. What does Braille mean to you? Well, I started to learn Braille when I was four. So I've, I haven't really known any kind of literacy without Braille. Um, so anytime anybody ever says, uh, Darren, write this down, or uh, how, do you, how do you spell this, Darren, or whatever, that Braille is quite literally how I think. It's how I got through maybe not quite so much learning uh, languages, but um, every aspect of, uh, of my learning um, that ever worked was all with Braille. And uh, it's how I'm productive. It's how I uh, take notes uh, now that I'm uh, kind of in the workplace, need to keep track of presentations, uh, deliver presentations, and um, keep you know keep track of basically everything that I'm supposed to be doing. And it's uh, it, it's also kind of a key part in my hobbies as well. I'm I'm quite a keen amateur. <laughs> Uh, broadcaster and researcher and keeping track of all that kind of information. Um, I don't really know how I'd do it without Braille. It's it's absolutely everything to me. I don't, I really don't know how I'd survive without it. Lauren, in a professional context, you need to be able to listen to your clients and to be able to access the written word at, at the same time. Can you just kind of elaborate a bit on, on that and, and perhaps uh, colour in, you know, any of your Braille experience that perhaps the other panellists haven't touched on so far? Dave, thanks very much for asking me this question because my Braille journey very much echoes Darren's. So it would have been a bit boring to, <laughs> to answer that one. Um, but maybe just quickly to, to mention, I was born blind and learned Braille at school, but I had to learn both English and Afrikaans Braille um, as I grew up in South Africa. So, um, in effect, learned two um, grade two Braille systems in parallel, um, which you know, I suppose I was quite fluent in by age 12. And moving on, you know, Braille has been an important part of education for me. And whenever I think of writing something down, it's in Braille. In terms of reading, it's a little bit different because I, I, I would consider myself as both a Braille and speech user. 
So with reading, I find speech to be a little bit more uh, productive as, as it's quicker. I can get jaws going at quite a, quite a fast clip. But in terms of writing down, I'm really quickest in Braille. So when it comes to seeing clients, um, I use a Braille note taker um, as my primary means of taking notes, which means that I can be, you know, engaged with my clients in, in, in the same way that um, a sighted psychologist would. So I don't need to have a pair of headphones on or anything like that. I can discreetly um, refer to information on my Braille note taker in Braille. Um, I can very effectively take notes during sessions. And, uh, you know, just as a bit of an aside, um, you know, sometimes people joke about the shrink looking at the clock. Well, I can tell the time on my note taker and nobody needs to be any the wiser. So, um, yeah, Braille definitely comes in very, very useful in my in my day to day work. Um, also, in terms of uh, language learning, I'm um, originally French speaking, and I find Braille to be very helpful in terms of really learning um, grammar, learning spellings effectively in in new languages, you know, including French and others that I've picked up over the years. And and Lauren, just another question for you, if I might. You've got um, young children. Um, does Braille have a role in your in your family life? Absolutely. So um, you mentioned the kids. So in terms of being able to read to them, um, I um, get books from Clear Vision, who uh, provide print books with Braille labeling. And, and that's extremely helpful just in terms of being able to, to read to the kids. And I think that, you know, especially as they grow older, there'll probably be more and more, you know, text heavy things that I will want to read to them. And Braille is going to be very helpful there. And primarily I would I'd probably say that I'm a soft Braille user in terms of Braille displays. Um, and of course, uh, braille screen input on my iPhone and now also my Android phone. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, with, with the kids, especially the paper braille comes in super useful. And of course, with uh, labeling things around the house, especially in the kitchen. Claire, what's been your experience of the perception of um, non-braille readers, in particular uh, sighted people? I think most... Um sighted people have some awareness of, of braille as, as something that does exist but i think it's something that's quite mysterious and um something they don't know much much more than maybe they've come across it perhaps um well especially on things like um medicine packets um that are labeled in braille or perhaps in the odd um label um, in some public buildings, perhaps in a museum or or perhaps something like that. So I think it's something that is, is quite mysterious, perhaps not very well known. And I think, um, you know, if you do mention that you, you do read Braille to some degree, people find it quite uh, intriguing, I think, because it's such a, a different medium, a different way of accessing information. 
Darren, what what do you think are, are some of the most common misconceptions uh, that exist around Braille? I think one of them is is certainly that it's not relevant anymore. That it's uh, all about paper, and in the digital age, I mean, is Braille still even relevant? I don't think people quite realise the incredible extent to which Braille is actually embedded into, as Lauren's already hinted at, uh, the um, technology that we're using that's all around us um, every day. Um, and uh, that, that's certainly one area I would, I'm very keen to see, um, to, to, to see that awareness um, situation improve. So I think it's once people actually realise that Braille is far more than just um, a series of dots on a page, but it's far more than that. And I think once we get the conversation beyond that, um, then um, I think I think it, it's just going to be better for everybody in ensuring that Braille's future is not only realised, but when and truly embraced by everybody. Lauren, what do you think we can do as a, as a community to tackle some of the misconceptions that, that we've identified there, that Braille you know, is perhaps sometimes perceived as not being relevant anymore. Perhaps it's sometimes perceived as being a bit mysterious, dare I even say complicated. How can we dispel some of those fears and and really draw attention to some of the things that you guys have have said already about how Braille is so important and valuable, um, particularly, you know, in education and work context? Well, I know, for example, at at work, being in a position where you know people had to be on a rotor to take minutes for team meetings and due to braille due to having a note taker um, i could simply include myself on that rotor and just be part of doing that job like everybody else which might have been a little bit harder i mean other people might may have other means to do that but i think those means might be a little bit more intrusive using a laptop etc or needing to transcribe recordings afterwards um, whereas i could you know without too much agony to myself just include myself on that rotor and then just take minutes like everybody else um in terms of braille being complicated well maybe one might need to, to admit that depending on when you're learning it, you know, it is going to be an investment of time and effort. But it might very well be an investment of time and effort that will pay back dividends more than, you know, what, what people realize. So I think that um, especially if one were to make people aware of, of soft braille and how portable and how ubiquitous that could be in one's life. Um, I think that could be extremely powerful. I mean, I know, for example, with me using Braille screen input on the iPhone, um, the kinds of things that I can do on an iPhone, even in a very noisy environment with Braille screen input, um, I think, you know, really um, enhances my connectedness and and productivity um, quite a lot compared to what it would have to be with dictation or with trying to touch dark things. So really to all of you, um, who, you know, what's the criteria? You know, who who should 
be learning and using Braille. Clearly, you guys are benefiting from it. You're, you're obviously very, uh, you know, successful. You're all kind of professional uh, people, which we we know, you know, is a, is a minority of, um, of of blind and partially sighted people who are actually in work and and, and using Braille. So. What do you think the kind of the threshold should be? At what point should somebody who's perhaps losing their sight consider learning Braille? I think it could be potentially relevant for absolutely anybody. Um, you know, thinking in terms of education um, and going through school and stuff. Um, my personal view is that anybody um, diagnosed with a degenerative um, eye condition should be taught some degree of braille i mean maybe you know clearly um things get a bit complicated when you come to consider what should the primary communication medium be and is it appropriate necessarily for absolutely everybody to be using braille even when print is still uh, a viable option um but i think actually having some uh some degree of um, introduction uh, to to Braille for any child with a vision impairment, um, I think, has has got to be uh, a reasonable starting point because you just never know when it could be um, far more um, applicable um, later in life. And as we've already touched on, it's a lot easier to um, pick up things when you're younger. Well, right. But bear in mind that most um, blind and partially sighted people have acquired sight loss later in life. Yeah, that's true. Um, and also, uh, clearly, there are going to be a lot of um, people with a vision impairment um, as uh, as children with partial sight that isn't going to degenerate. So, you know, when I say uh, be introduced to Braille, you know, clearly, I don't think it would be appropriate for absolutely everybody to be using um, Braille out of hand first and foremost, as a communication and learning aid above all other options available. I'm not saying that, but um, I think to perhaps give uh, the option for any child to be learning, um, say, very, very basic grade one, uh, perhaps, you know, alphabet and numbers, um, you know, just as, as some kind of starting point, if it progresses no further, then um, so be it. But, um, you know, it may well be that later on in life, that's the sort of thing that could actually um, be be more than enough for somebody to, to kind of pick up um, if necessary. And if you've already been introduced to something, even if it does happen to be decades um, before you actually need it, um, it's surely going to be a lot, you're going to have a, a bit of a head start. Claire, you uh, mentioned right at the very beginning that you read with the Braillists reading group on a, on a Thursday. We call it book club, but it really is a, a kind of an opportunity for uh, Braille readers who are getting started to to really come together and offer a bit of peer support for one another. What what do you think are some of the, the practical problems that, that beginners face? I think especially, um, well, first of all, motivation i think keeping going is is something that others um braille beginners have mentioned and something that i struggled as well at some certain points just carrying on practicing 
a little bit every day, um, you know, perhaps using um, different materials, um, you know, perhaps some on paper, some if you do have a braille, an electronic braille device, I think motivation is a big a big factor and also just in terms of access to um different kind different kinds of material you can practice on different kinds of books different kinds of um ways of reading and also as i mentioned as well um just um i think that the peer support you mentioned in the braille book club is very very important for me because it means that you can share ideas and experiences and if you struggle for example in a specific um you know different making sense of different letters that are similar and um figuring out different things like that i think it's so important so having that peer group um for me does um solve them some of those beginner braille issues so so you would say to people look join join some sort of group or club that will help yes or try and try and link up with other other braille beginners i think it's useful Okay, so Koal, we're going to come to you first, and Ben after Koal. After Koal, we're going to come to Claire Morgan. And uh, Koal, you are now unmuted. I've just got a couple of things to say. First of all, from my own personal experience, I'm going to be um, starting a job in November in a call centre, and I'm going to be using Braille for most of the time when I do the job, which I'm really looking forward to because I've been transcribing Braille for 23 years. So it would be very, very different for me. Second thing I've got to say is from experience. I've been to teaching Braille in a school and I was very disappointed that the children were getting one hour a week Braille as I was teaching them. And then for the rest of the time, they weren't really using Braille very much. And they had very sporadic learning of Braille so that after, let's say, two years that they didn't have any Braille, they didn't have any support or anything. So... Some of them were learning Braille from scratch again, and that's not very good. So that, um, you know, if they go and need to do Braille later on in life, well, they won't be able to spell, especially if they haven't had any sight. So that really needs to be changed. And one way of changing it is to get blind people in schools who can teach children Braille and not get these sighted people who, I don't like saying, stand in the way of letting us teach Braille to the children because it's really not fair and it's their futures and not ours, if you see what I mean. Wow, there's lo- there's loads to think about there, Koal. Uh, and obviously wishing you, you know, all the very best in your in your new role. And, and that is something I think we can all recognise. You know, we hear that quite a bit from parents of, um, of children learning Braille, that they don't get enough access to that expertise. So uh, I think you've definitely probably pressed a few buttons with people there. Definitely. Um, great, great points there. And uh, great to get the discussion going. Uh, we've got uh, Claire Morgan. You are now unmuted. I just wanted to know what's meant by soft braille. Oh, uh, Darren, do you want to take that? Okay, sure. So um, soft braille in turn, it's, it's basically any form of braille. Well, I think of it anyway, as being any form of braille that isn't represented on a paper. So um, it could be reading Braille, say, on a Braille display um, or um, some kind of electronic means. Yeah, it usually means electronic Braille, I think, Claire. So, so usually using Braille on a, on a Braille display would be the most common 
uh, way people would think of, of soft braille? They are a great question, and I'm sure you won't be the only one who uh, who asked that uh, to themselves either. So thank you once again, Claire. Going to come to uh, Russell next, and uh, Russell, you are good to go. Um, I lost my sight in a car accident when I was 25, and uh, I took an adjustment to blindness program, and they taught me grade one braille, uh, uncontracted, I guess it is now. And uh, the lady that was teaching us braille told us that if you learn braille when you're older, that you probably won't get very fast at reading. So I was kind of discouraged about that. So basically, I learned enough to label CDs and label stuff, but I never took it any further. So about five years after that, I decided I kind of like to learn the contracted braille. Somebody had given me a Reader's Digest in braille, and I'd pick it up every once in a while, and I couldn't make head or tails out of it, just the odd letters here and there. And uh, so I, I went to my the local CNIB here, and I'm from Canada, and got the uh, the Braille lessons, and I kind of worked through them on my own. And it was it was so it was, I always say it was like magic. I picked up the Reader's Digest, and all of a sudden I started to be able to make sense out of it, and I was able to read it. And so um, <clears throat> I've been working for the last 20 years at a university. I don't use the Braille much, but I do have a Braille display hooked up to my computer, and I use it for Phone reading back phone numbers, and I am I have a note taker, still an old pack mate, uh, that I, I take minutes at meetings. I've chaired meetings before, thanks to Braille, because I wouldn't have been able to do, do it without the Braille. Um, I have the whole Harry Potter series in Braille. I think there's 52 volumes or something. So I keep picking it up and practicing, trying to build up my speed. So I've got, got it enough where I can read, read Braille books, but any tips for improving Braille or is it just a matter of practice, practice, practice? I'm going to, I'm going to offer that to uh, Claire Russell. I mean, you, you make a really good point though, that actually, you know, reading speed isn't the only measure of success because of course, you know, labeling and, uh, you know, maybe playing a game or, you know, some other small use um, case, you know, are equally valid reasons for using Braille. But it it is nice if you can improve your reading speed, if you're able to read longer form uh, pieces. Um, uh, Claire, what do you what do you find works in the um, in the book group? I think most people mention that um, practicing a little bit, so reading a little bit every day, perhaps for uh, you know a set amount of time, but just taking it slowly, um, bit by bit, making sure your hands uh, are warm enough and. Um, you know they're not too too cold that um you know the circulation in them is, is okay and then also in terms of um your position in terms of sitting and how you are and sometimes trying to vary a bit the position your hands are or the way your wrists lay on on the, the paper or the braille display all those kind of little things can help with a reading for for, for longer sessions of time yeah sometimes putting the book on the table rather than on your lap can make it easier because you haven't got to worry about it slipping off and that's a great tip about about warming your hands while washing your hands in warm water and obviously drying them before you start um reading that can help with um with sensitivity and and perhaps come along to to one of our uh, sessions uh, Russell and we can sort of dive in a bit more to kind of technique as well and and perhaps using as many 
you know, fingers as possible and making sure, of course, you're using the most sensitive part of your, your finger as well. I think sometimes people think it's the very end of your finger when actually it's the, the kind of the pad where your fingerprint is that tends to be um, the most sensitive area. Lauren, we've not, not heard from from you for a, for a while. I mean, clearly, you know, Braille is making a massive impact for you in your work. It means you can do more of the same things as your uh, colleagues in terms of being able to discreetly um, access notes and free your ears to listen to the environment and, and the people around you. But, you know, thinking about some of these um, obstacles that uh, people face when they're, they're getting started with Braille, not being sure when to start with Braille or whether it's even worth it and how to um, overcome um, some of their problems. Do you, do you have any, any thoughts to, to add on that? Yeah, I was, I was just uh, thinking that maybe one way of, of doing that is to, you know, just, just have a good sense of how to, to link Braille to, to people's values or to what's, what's important to them. Um, and how to, especially after sight loss, you know, link the concept of Braille to helping people get their lives back. Um, because I think for many people, um, they um, they tend to think, well, you know, it's too difficult. Well, I would I would actually suggest that yes, maybe it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but it's certainly you know for many people maybe a bit more doable than what they might think. And for, for Braille to then become, you know, more of, you know, one of the options that's put in front of people when they lose their sight, as opposed to kind of a, a way out thing. And to then link that a little bit more to, to how people can, can get their lives back. So, so for example, um, you know, um, my hobbies involve Braille quite a bit. So if I think of, for example, choir singing, um, Braille, both you know, note taking and in terms of being able to then read back um, music or lyrics or, or things like that in Braille, is is extremely helpful. Um, also, you know, in terms of one's uh, you know spiritual life, you know, in terms of being able to participate in one's faith community, you know, accessing scriptures, being able to potentially do things from the front, um, you know, being able to um, be, you know, an active participant with with uh, you know your fellow um, believers in in whatever um, way that that you might feel led to be. I think Braille definitely equalizes the playing field there quite a bit. So I think just 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 helping people to realize that you know speech is a good option. But it's not the only one, and it has its limitations, as does Braille. But the more tools in your toolbox, the better you'll be. So in a, in a moment, Darren, I want to come to you and talk about how we navigate the whole world of, of, of Braille tools. And um, I think you, you work on a project that might have, have some relevance to that. But Ben, let's uh, see if we're having any more joy uh, with getting people unmuted. Yeah, so uh, we've got uh, Jane uh, asked a really good question in the chat, actually. Um, and uh, this maybe, uh, maybe leads slightly on to, to the tooling question. Jane is wondering... 
what you would do if you wanted to prepare for a job interview. So I guess uh, I guess we could talk a bit about what role Braille might play in in a job interview in terms of helping you get that competitive edge, and perhaps what what Braille devices might be useful in a job interview. So certainly some interviews include a presentation element and I've used flashcards in the past, for example, uh, to help me through that presentation. So just you don't need to have a lot of Braille um, knowledge or even a high reading speed, but just as kind of little aid memoirs, you know, just have, you know, a few words on a on a couple of flashcards to help you deliver a presentation. If that's one of the requirements of a job interview, that might be uh, useful. Perhaps also having some um, facts and figures about the organization that you're applying to under your fingertips uh, might show that you've um, you know done your your research um, and that you know about the organization um, and hopefully that 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 sort of addresses um, the question what, what I wanted to to kind of explore with you um, Darren you've you've written uh, for for Pocklington about um, various product categories and and helping people with making purchasing decisions when it comes to finding the right products for them when people are starting off with braille and they're wondering what the right tools might be for reading and and writing is that is that something that your your project can help with yeah absolutely so um there are there are um various kind of aspects of this that that we're kind of attempting to address so in terms of um where do you start so um for somebody uh learning braille i think it's i think it's fair to say that if if you're kind of near the start of that journey having access to okay so we've already heard about soft braille in terms of being um, braille on refreshable braille display equipment but that's probably not a good starting point because a lot of that equipment um kind of um implies that you have a degree of braille knowledge to be able to operate it so um in terms of getting rights kind of started um at the very beginning um uh, you know having access to say maybe some braille labeling equipment or um some kind of uh some kind of uh braille frame or writing device or something um i think is 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 definitely going to be going to be very helpful because that way you can you can get started um and uh and and then when it comes to maybe looking at how um braille um in terms of uh fitting into the kind of technology tools that you uh um maybe have at your disposal or will have at your disposal um we we've also got um information on the um website um which we call vital tech uh, it's all one word vitaltech.org.uk um, about um, braille display equipment. So um, we uh, fairly recently um, we've we've reviewed um, the Orbit Reader um, twenty uh, braille display, um, which is um, I think still, um, if not the cheapest, it's one of the cheapest that you can get on the market at the moment. Um, and uh, so looking at um for an outlay of somewhere around about four or five hundred pounds um getting access to um a, a, a an electronic braille device that will let you read um thousands of books available um from rnib um but also uh, take notes and um uh, get access to braille um on 
smartphones, tablets, um, or computers. You know, it's it's a, it's a very compelling um, kind of device, um, and you know, it's really exciting to see that uh, more affordable um, electronic braille options um, exist, um, and they are you know pretty robust um, and, uh, you know, particularly sort of around um, education and learning Braille and uh, and kind of getting access to Braille where you most need it. You know, it's it's absolutely revolutionary that we're now talking in terms of hundreds rather than thousands of pounds. Darren, we'll get you to the website again at the end, uh, just in case anybody didn't uh, catch that. So you, you, you're you sort of advocating start low tech, um, you know, before you start shelling out loads of money um, on, on equipment. Claire, you mentioned um, that you you started out with um, with French uh, Braille. Um, and obviously you're speaking with us this evening in, in English. How did how did you find the the, the transition? Well, obviously, um... French has the specialised um, braille symbols for accented letters, um, which um, I obviously didn't use, didn't need to use for uh, English braille itself. And the um, the way numbers are presented um, is a little different. But um, apart from that, really, um, the punctuation and the basic letters and all those kind of things on a basic level for my kind of uses didn't pose any major issues. And do you think like your your journey uh, in, you know, in learning English would have been different had you not been a Braille user? Well, I was um, accessing English um, you know, materials in other formats as well. But I think it does, um, obviously, having that extra that extra option, as um, others, others have mentioned, an extra tool in my toolbox did make things much more interesting and more enjoyable as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm thinking, you know, particularly in sort of writing, you know, credibly, that obviously if you're listening to audio, you know, it's it's a long day if you've got to cursor through every word to see how it's spelt. Yes, um, and when it, especially in terms of things like homonyms and homophones and all those kind of tricky words um, that do can you know trick us up sometimes. Um, obviously, Braille in that instance is very useful. So I would expect then the reverse would be true that somebody who is. Um... An English speaker looking to learn um, a second language, then Braille could be really valuable in in doing that. Yes, especially in the initial stages, uh, learning things like basic vocabulary and, um, for example, other other languages that use accents or um, different letters with different uh, different diacritic marks and. Even um, obviously, Braille is available in in lots of other types of alphabets and scripts and so um you could you know learn the braille for, for those kind of languages as well lauren you, you you mentioned uh afrikaans earlier you you also mentioned um music and uh singing with a with a choir do you do you think um particularly in in respect of your your choir do you do you think Without Braille, you might be excluded from from some aspects of of that. 
Well, I think I would I would have had to um, make better use of my memory. So it would probably have been one one skill swapped out for another. But I think you know, especially with with uh, choir singing, um, I'm I'm not a very good braille music reader. So I rely on braille, especially more for the words. For the music, I tend to need a bit of repetition to to let it all sink in. And if I had to memorize the words as well, my guess is that I would probably just need even more repetition, especially when it comes to singing things in other languages where you need to remember the sound as opposed to the meaning that that helps. And are you doing that then? You're 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 learning uh, material that's in a language that you're not familiar with, and and Braille is is facilitating that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you know things that might be in Latin or um, you know things like that. Um, so I might not uh, write the um, you know things in a way that, that that they should be written down, but at least I'll, I'll reproduce the sounds in a way that makes sense to me in Braille. Right. So you're sort of writing phonetically, essentially, to get the sounds down. So then you're able to to reproduce those at the appropriate time yes and you know in, in fact the, my, my first instance of doing that was as a, a 12 year old i had greek friends and they used to go to greek school on a saturday and i thought to myself well i fancy learning a bit of greek so i didn't learn to read or write greek but i learned to you know just have some basic chat and a bit of conversation but I used to do that with Greek as well, you know, just develop my own little phonetic script for for Greek, um, which at least helped me to, you know, hold on to the information a bit better. Now, we've got a, a fairly technical question from Catherine in the chat. Um, Catherine, we'll do, our, we'll do our best to answer this. Uh, no pressure panel. Uh, so Catherine wants to know, can you switch between, for example, French and UEB grade two on the Humanware Brilliant line of displays? We teach the single cell French contraction uh, accents rather at school, which are in Bossa and Duxbury uh, translation software are compatible with. Uh, but the Brilliant doesn't uh, currently display single-cell French accents. So that may rather depend on your screen reader. So if you've got your Brilliant connected to a smartphone, tablet or or laptop, uh, then depending on the screen reader that you're using, then you may be able to switch Braille code within the screen reader, so JAWS or... or NVDA. Um, if you also perhaps drop that question to help at brailists.org, we'll try and get you a more extensive um, answer. Um, any of you guys on the uh, panel, I'm thinking particularly Claire or Laurent, who, who speak, uh, uh, well, who have used French uh, in Braille, have anything to add to that? And uh, just to clarify, Catherine's using JAWS at the moment. So I think in in jaws you you should under the braille options be able to set your your braille code for both input and output so you need to have a play around with the uh, with the braille code to, to see which one is actually going to to display um, things correctly um, but you would probably then need as far as i know to do that um, 
you know, whenever you, you're reading um, a document in, in whichever language, you'll probably need to make that switch. Um, I'm not 100% sure whether there's a smooth way of doing that or whether you'll need to um, have a little um, peek into the settings for, for each change. Uh, but potentially, you know, one one might be able, because JAWS is quite customizable, one might be able to set up a, a shortcut that might do it for you. Um, but um, on the brilliance themselves, especially, you know, I've got one of the newer um, brilliant BX models, and I can highly recommend them. They're basically a smart braille display, which includes some note-taking functionality, as well as the ability to load books onto them. Um, so on those devices, it's possible to set up um, a profile for multiple braille codes. So you can have quite a few of them. So I've got one for French where, um, so all you need to do is to press one little button on the device and it then switches you between braille profiles. So that, that can be done pretty much on the fly once your braille profiles are set up. All right. So I'm just going to have a, a quick uh, sort of pop around the uh, the panel for any final thoughts about how we uh, tackle the uh, barriers or obstacles that um, sometimes people face when uh, encountering uh, Braille. Any final thoughts from you, Claire? I just wanted to thank everyone who participated this evening and, and for the very interesting questions and uh, thought-provoking ideas. And I'd just like to say um, Braille isn't um, old and dusty. It's something that's relevant in today's uh, modern society through all sorts of different ways, from uh, electronic note-takers to just writing um, a Christmas card or a birthday card to a loved one, playing games as well. We we didn't touch on that, but also um, playing some uh, things like this, Braille Scrabble, Braille Uno, or those kind of things can be a really fun way as well to, to practice your Braille skills and just give it a go. And uh, I, I do have to say, um, I put a, a shameless plug as well for the... Um, Braillists and um, book club on a Thursday evening. Come and join us. We're very friendly. We certainly will. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I proposed to my wife on a Braille Scrabble board, but uh, that's a story we'll save for another time. Darren, any shameless plugs or final thoughts from you? I think it would be great to see um, examples of uh, more people actually using Braille. And um, what does that mean? Um, you know, it's all very well talking about Braille, but if people don't have any kind of reference point or until people get a reference point, um, then it's going to be harder to kind of make that case. So um, I'm all for um, participating in uh, creating, you know, more content that helps uh, showcase Braille in action, whether that's videos of people using Braille displays to be productive or do creative things or or um, just, you know, getting around in, in, in everyday life. Anything we can do to help promote Braille will surely um, ultimately um, realize more Braille. Um, and uh, to that end, yes, I will shamelessly plug the uh, Vital Tech website I mentioned earlier. It's at uh, Vital Tech, that's all one word, V-I-T-A-L-T-E-C-H dot org dot UK. And last, but by no means least, Laurent. I've got no shameless plugs, but... Uh... Now, at risk of repeating myself a little bit, I suppose what uh, 
what I would like to to say is that Braille is worth it, and just creating an awareness of how um, you know being a Braille user doesn't necessarily mean being encumbered by loads and loads of paper um, and um, you know big clunky old um, uncool looking devices um, would would probably be, be helpful because I, I wonder whether braille maybe has a bit of an image of something which is clunky and something which is you know very um, niche um, and you know with that um, you know again potentially repeating myself saying that you know it's not it's not necessarily um, a barrier-free um, way of, 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 of doing things. But I think that there's a bit of a culture um, around where people expect things to, to just happen, to just be easy without putting in, putting in some effort. And I think that uh, potentially speech, therefore, sort of steals a bit of the limelight, you know, because you just get the thing talking to you. But I think just creating that sense of, well, you know, Braille, uh, you know, it might take a little bit of, of effort, you know, even if it's to, to get to grips with, with the alphabet, but even that will, you know, deliver some of your old life back, especially if, you, if you're someone who's lost their sight. Laurent Cadet de Fontenay bringing to a close this episode of Brailcast. The other panellists were Darren Pascal and Claire Amoroso. The session was hosted by Dave Williams, moderated by Ben Mustill-Rose and produced by myself, Matthew Horsepool. Next week's podcast will focus on improving your Braille reading speed, which was touched on in this episode. We'll go into a lot more detail about that with Kit Aronoff. That's coming up on next week's Brailcast. The website that Darren mentioned, Vital Tech, can be found at www.vitaltech, that's V-I-T-A-L, tech, T-E-C-H, dot org, dot U-K. And information about the Brailleists Book Club, which meets every Thursday at 6pm in the UK, can be found on the Brailleists website at brailleists.org forward slash events. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brailcast, the official podcast of the Brailleists Foundation. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to Brailcast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice. Or listening to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Braillists everywhere on your smart speaker. You can also find past episodes on our website at brailcast.com. If you have comments on the podcast or suggestions of topics or guests for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at braylists.org. You can also find the Braylists on Twitter at Braylists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. New listeners are always welcome. So if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at the Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. The costs of producing this episode were defrayed by a grant from the Activate Fund of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information, visit wcmt.org.uk.